Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Parental Advisory. My name is Gio, and I'm so excited to share this project with you. Let me first give you some background about me that will help you understand why we're here. I have the incredible privilege of being a queer sex worker (laughs) who came out three different times to my family over the years. First time as queer, then as a sex worker several years later, and then eventually again as non-binary. So I know that doesn't quite sound like privilege, but that part lives in the aftermath. It was Really rough at first, I think, trying to gain a mutual understanding with my family, but over time we grew this ability to hold complex and challenging discussions about our experiences together and allowed for them to keep us growing towards each other rather than apart, at least for the most part. It's, it's so easy to want to try and brush over things to keep the peace with family especially when you live in such different environments or locations. And at this point in history, with so much polarization in the media, it feels like such an uphill battle. But I think after coming out as a sex worker, which was probably the biggest doozy for them, it felt really out of alignment for all of us to sort of, I don't know, inadvertently and gradually create more distance through fear of the unknown and kind of a lack of understanding. So we've come a long way over the years and I think I'm learning that at the end of the day it's worth not putting our differences to the side per se but instead putting them in the center and finding common ground from there. So this podcast at least at this point will be centered around the relationship I have with my mom. She and I both hold differently marginalized identities, which I think are crucial to talk about and that we'll dive more into later. But anyway, my hope is that through this podcast, we can discover more ways to get closer to the core of parent-child dynamics, intersectionality, and more than anything, find healing and evolution in various marginalized communities, as well as in families, chosen or otherwise. Before we get started, let me just give you some background on my mom real quick. She taught English and debate for 15 years and then spent the last several years focusing on anti-violence advocacy work at the Rape Crisis Center. She's the first feminist I'd ever met and she's also disabled. Basically, we fucking love Lisa. (laughs) The following conversation was recorded during a two-month visit with my family after ending my 10-year relationship with Portland, Oregon and preparing to move across country to New York, which is where I am now. The initial plan was a general about me type intro, but knowing us, we just dove right into some heavy shit. (laughs) Don't worry though, some themes from today you will learn about more in depth in later episodes. This is just the beginning. I hope you enjoy it. And it looks like we're recording. That's what the red light means. Yes, it says recording. So that's good. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I guess to get started, I selfishly want your story to be recorded forever. <laughs> and and I also think that 
the development of our story together is um, something that I find really special, obviously, because I'm your kid. Um, but I also think that it can bring a lot of, I don't know, comfort or just like the knowledge that, uh, I guess we don't know what, what healthy looks like in, in, in a sense, we sort of have to define that ourselves, but how like, you know, a dynamic and flourishing and respectful relationship can look. And so it feels, it feels important to kind of record some things that we talk about, especially because both of us have some stigmatized identities, so to speak, on different levels in completely different ways. Well, I mean, they're similar in that they're marginalized. Yeah. So they, um, they have, you know, we're, we're all. We all have our own paths to trod, as it were, even though I don't tread them, you know, that sort of thing. Paths to follow. Follow, that seems non-ableist language. Yeah. And yeah, I I think our relationship is good. I think that we have our ups and downs, and I think we've had some touchy moments since you've been here but on this visit, but I feel like we have been pretty conscious of that and tried to be open to working through that because we, you know, it's not, it hasn't been as fraught as a, as a usual visit because it's been open-ended, you know, and not having that feeling like, oh my gosh, the time is ticking, tick, 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 you know, that, uh, that's a little bit more relaxing and freeing. So and kind of sink into it a little bit more and I've really sunk in (laughs) it's been really nice and also it'll be good to get back on on the ball again yeah but I feel like you're getting back on the ball in um in a better place yeah like you got off the track but you needed to get off the track because the track was bad right and you sometimes you just have to take time to heal and it takes as long as it takes and you know yay for healing and yay sometimes healing. it's just letting time pass that's healing you know separating yourself from the 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 injury you know so you're not continually being injured again right and just letting days go by and being <laughs> uninjured again during those days is a form of healing I think a lot of times people talk about healing and they're very, you know, here's my plan. Here's my 27 step plan for healing. And sometimes healing is just the world going around a few more times. Yeah. Right. And and there's something to like part of the definition of trauma is kind of like an overload on the senses, right? Like our brains are incapable of absorbing everything that has happened in in a traumatic event right something like that it it's it's absorbing everything your brain is absorbing everything it's absorbing everything but storing it differently mm-hmm. and so um, my favorite description of what you're taking in during trauma is it's as though you're all of your 
intake, all of your impressions and everything are being written on post-it notes and they're being recorded in order, but then your brain is storing them in all kinds of random places. So if you imagine a desk with post-its on the monitor and on, but also in the drawer and outside in the hall. And so for you to go back after the trauma has ended and try to make sense of it, you don't even know where all the pieces are. And it can take years for you to, it, like all of a sudden you open a drawer in another room and you're like, there's a piece of my trauma. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was there. And that's why people, you know, they talk about content or trigger warnings. That's why, you know, understanding what things, you know, make you go back to that moment is very important in your healing, but recognizing that you're going to open a random drawer Something's going to happen to you in life, watching a show or being somewhere or meeting another person, and your brain's going to open that other drawer and mm. it's going to blindside you because you didn't know that there was a trauma memory in there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's, um, I'm basing it off of a philosophy that I was hearing about. Mm. Like I'm just basing it off of neurology. Right. Yeah. And that's what I was asking too. Cause I, I was getting a little mixed up or I was like, I think that might just be a theory <laughs> rather than anything else. Yeah. But. And, and the science of it is so fascinating and it is so, it just shows how amazing our brains are mm -hmm. and how important it is for us to understand how they work so that we're not fighting them all the time. Right. We're letting them do their work and giving, giving our brain the space it needs to do the work and it will do the work. Right. And that's, I think one of the hardest things about being a person in the world is allowing for our bodies to do what they need to do to heal, to solve problems, to make decisions that feel the most aligned with what you're supposed to be doing. I feel like that's been so much a part of my process is every day paying so much attention and trying so hard to catch every time I hear, hear a thought that I'm hear a, hear a, a, a narrative that I'm telling myself or feel the sensation of resistance towards something and <clears throat> pick up on that and notice that and try and face the resistance and allow for yourself to move in an easier path because your body is something that you have to learn to trust. And so you have to learn to listen to the voices in our heads and question the voices, but also know which ones are here to take care of us. And usually, usually it, it, it clears up after a little bit of practice and you can go off of, oh, I remember when something felt right. What was going on in that moment? Yeah. You're sort of like going back to look at the evidence from a crime scene, but the crime scene is your own joy. <laughs> yeah. Which is not a crime. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not, not a crime. I mean, you you can be happy. It, you would think it is in this system though, because joy is joy is for sale only. Yeah. Well, we're being taught that you have to purchase joy. Like that's the only thing that's true mm -hmm. is something that you bought. Exactly. And so realizing that your crime scene is just your natural um, discovery of joy within yourself. 
right. And, and just, like I said, just understanding it's, it's really hard to do that work. I see a lot of people trying to do that work to understand themselves and to get themselves through things. And it's a lot easier to do that work if you have a base of knowledge, mm. like, like I said, understanding how people process trauma, understanding what are the dynamics of an abusive situation, understanding who you truly are and being self-aware and understanding, you know, I am a person who like is, is very logical mm-hmm. and evidence-based where other people lead more with emotions And so the way I'm going to process a a trauma or a situation, it's going to be very different. And neither one of them is the only way, but it's the only way that each of us individually can do it, right? right? I can't, I don't have the wherewithal or the skills to process something emotionally. I have to process it intellectually, and then I can get to the emotion once I've been able to find a place in my head to organize it. Mm-hmm. And then I can look at the pieces and go, oh, that's what I was feeling. Yeah. You're finding safety in that categorization and you're, you understand how that works and feeling is so. It's different. In, yeah. It's intangible. Well, every, you know, lots of things are intangible. I think everything, I think the key is understanding who you are we all have skills and we all have talents and we all have an approach, a bias, and that's normal. That's human. Mm-hmm. And understanding what yours is and how it's, how it has been successful for you is really essential. I think a lot of people spend so much time saying, well, I did that wrong. Yeah. And it's like, but think of all the things you did right. Analyze those. Right. And realize that's your toolkit. You got this. And go back to the times that you did it right and try to do that again, as opposed yeah. to microscopically looking at how you did things wrong. Yeah. Focusing on the softness and the kindness and the truth of the power that we have. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and trusting grows. yourself, trusting yourself and loving yourself. Mm-hmm loving all of those times you did something right. If we spent more energy going back and looking at what we did right, instead of constantly worrying that bone of what went wrong, mm-hmm. then, we, then we're more equipped to deal with what goes wrong. Right. Move through it in a, a more positive way. Right. Everybody has stuff go wrong. That's okay. Yeah. I have, I, I, I struggle with this all the time. It's- <laughs> continuing to reroute the way that I'm sending messages to myself instead of what tools am I missing? What do I need to be the perfect partner, kid, artist, musician, whatever, instead of focusing on, oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, I have this skill already. I have all these tools in my toolkit. Why don't I play with these for a little bit, strengthen those, and then maybe I won't need 45 other things going on, or maybe I can call and outsource some, some help for some of those things. And it's really hard to remember. I have a reminder set up on my phone to text me in the morning and remind me that. 
because what yeah. you water grows, what you water grows. And that is such an important thing for, for everyone to remember. That's like what I'm constantly telling myself because I, as, as much of a positive person as I'd like to say that I am and that I try so hard to be all the time, the negative self-talk is so glaringly loud. And I know that that's the thing that not only slows me down from healing from trauma, but it slows me down from my career growth and my relationship development and all these different things and getting closer to like the core of myself that I need to access to make good work. Yeah. You just need to be more you. Totally. (laughs) Totally. And that can also get, that can be challenging because we live in this world of consumption where we're consuming all these different things on our phones and on our TV and in the world And it's easy to play the comparison game, even if you think you're not doing it, because you're just looking at all these things and all these people in your field and all this stuff. And you're wondering, where am I in all of this? Where do I fit into all of this? And at the end of the day, every day, it's like, oh, I don't because I'm over here being me and that person over there being them. (laughs) And there's no problem there. (laughs) There's no problem there. Like we are here to, to, to pave the road that we're meant to walk down. And if other people want to join us for part of that on their own journeys, that's great. But yeah, being more you is a huge responsibility because there is so much power in it. And yeah, that's what makes the goddamn world go round. So yeah. And if, and the key is knowing who you are. Right. And that's That's... hard because you don't see, no one's going to, no one can really tell you. You're, you're creating it every day. Yeah, you are, but there's a core self there, um, which I didn't really understand until I had kids. Mm. But like I have repeatedly told you and your brother, you are the same person you were when you were a toddler. <laughs> I see that person inside you. I see that first grader. I see that seventh grader. I see those people in you. And so knowing you as well as I knew you when you were little like that, I know when you're being true to yourself and when you're not. And, and when you're true to yourself, you're doing, you're your best self. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't go anywhere. And I, I know then I learned to look for that in myself and realize when I trust who that, who I was when I was eight, Mm -hmm. I'm on the right path. And when I feel that person inside of me going, yeah, I know this is right for me. Who were you when you were eight? Oh my gosh, I was ready. I could do anything. I absolutely had utter self-confidence. Um, I, was, I was somebody, I saved a kid's life, but it was my fault that he almost died. <laughs> so at, at the lake where my aunt and uncle had a cottage, there was a bunch of us kids. We didn't know each other. We were only there for, you know, we're visiting, everybody was visiting. And so I'm talking this kid into jumping off the dock. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. Come on, I'll show you. And I did it. And then I got back on the dock with him. I'm like, oh, come on. You got to try it. It's really fun. <laughs> he jumps in. He like sinks. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. So I jump in and I get him out and I pull him out of the water. And it's like, I saved your life, but I made you jump. <laughs> so that was me. <laughs> when I, I was eight. <laughs> yes. Relentless. So, just, yeah, I just had all this, I can do it. Jump in, man. The worst thing that happens is I have to save your life. Right. Okay. And then I did. <laughs> so you're fine. We're all good. We had an experience. It's cool. And that was who I was. And I am still try not to make people jump when they don't want to now which is better <laughs> that's better okay. you know but, you, but, but you're there for when they do I am there for when they if they decide to jump I'm going to be there to support them if they can't quite get out of the seaweed that's off the end of the dock you were a strong swimmer back in the day too I was an excellent swimmer <laughs> I must say so that's who I was when I was eight mm. Who was I when I was eight? What do you remember? Oh, I was hoping you would answer for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, when I think of the core of myself, it's it's kind of how I come back when I come home. It's just like really vivacious and full of a lust for life and really wanting to make everyone around me laugh and feel good. And if all else fails, I'm making myself laugh in the center of the room <laughs> or in the corner. Um, yeah, just like a, a little goofball that loved singing songs and petting dogs. And just everything's a show. <laughs> you know, you you were your own constant, you know, oh, let's make this up now. Let's tell this story. Let's be this person. Let's try this. Let's have these characters do this thing. And it was always creation and story mm-hmm. for you. Right. Personifying every inanimate object. Just just everything was alive and you were exploring all of it mm-hmm. and wanting to be all of it. Wanting to be the whole world. Yeah. Wanting to be the whole world. And why shouldn't you? Mm, I love that. Yeah, I, I do love too. love me. That's great. <laughs> you should love you you're awesome always entertaining (laughs) no always never bore you were not a boring person you guys just got really good at tuning me out (laughs) we had to because it was a lot you were a lot it was a lot (laughs) but in a good way and and not in a you know I mean somebody might hear this story and think oh so it's all about costumes and and show and it's like no, it wasn't like shallow. Do you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it was more of a dive. Like now I'm going to be this and I'm going to be all of this and I'm going to absorb all the levels of this. Yeah. As opposed to, well, I'm just going to put this on and I'm going to act like this for a minute and then I'm going to throw it away and go do something else. No, it was, I'm going to explore this because I'm just mm-hmm. going to be it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to just be the whole person or creature or whatever I'm being. And so that like, I'm going to explore, you know, this person X from the inside out 
as yeah. opposed from the outside and never getting very far in, mm -hmm. you would dive in and then explore out. So it's not, it wasn't glitter. I mean, people say, oh, that's such a Vegas kid, you know, just put on some glitter. And that wasn't it at all. Because you didn't care what you looked like when you did it. You cared about the doing and the diving. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I was a little scientist out there. Yes, in, in my well, all early. children are scientists. Totally, totally. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> and and who really wouldn't nice. love that person? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh, it's great. It's so interesting. I think about this often. And I was talking to dad about this when we were camping last week of that feeling of wanting to get back to that eight-year-old self. And, and he, he, he was asking questions about ethics and morals. <laughs> He's like, what does a kid know about morals? And I was like, okay, I don't really mean morals. I mean, the, the center of who you are when you're feeling so genuine and curious, and you're not worried about how you're being perceived and if you're going to get the job and like if your girlfriend or boyfriend is going to leave you and like if 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 the if the picture you're painting is is not completely fleshed out in the perfect way like none of that is none of that's important and that's kind of what I was getting after is and I think sounds like what you're getting after too is like how do we get back to that core person how do we make the, the little things that happen as life goes on and as we age, how do we make that matter less and our core matter more? Well, and to riff, just to, to do things as we age that are true to that core, but bring wisdom to it. Because, you know, your dad has a point. How, what do, what do kids know about that? Well, they know a lot about being truthful and honest and, and sincere and, and, and showing respect. They know a lot about that. And then adding to it that wisdom and understanding of other people, other people's feelings and, and boundaries. And that's hard for kids to know because they're such ego beasts. Sure. You know, they are their whole world. And so when you take the identity and then you add to it the wisdom of experience, that's when you're being your best self. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because there's a reason we live past eight. Ideally, and yes. And it's not just for the bullshit that comes between eight and then when you figure it out. Yeah. And then when you find yourself again with all of those lessons. Because, because you know, to circle back, I think a lot of your reflections of me as a kid really ring true as an explorer. And I think that rings true for a lot of people is like, we have to sort of lose ourselves and dive into these different ideas, these different value systems, these different worlds and, and swim back up to the surface at some point and figure out, okay, do I want to keep swimming in this lake? Is this like part of me? Like we're, we're constantly diving into new things and then remembering to come back to see our core can be really hard because sometimes we really get lost in those adventures. Or, or the, the greater world tells you to not be that anymore, yeah. to not, not be that, that core person, be a better you, be this you, you know? And it's like, no, just be you. Right. Be very expensive you. Yes. And you can be more <laughs> you 
if you use summer's eve for that <laughs> net <laughs> those commercials use yourself like <laughs> oh, God. just don't do that but you know and so there's there's a lot of pieces to it but I, I think that you can't truly be healthy until you understand yourself and accept and love yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's, that piece is elemental and everyone needs to do it. And most people don't do it. And we're discouraged constantly from doing that. Or we're trying, but we don't have the support that we need. Right. Or, or nobody, or nobody has um, blazed that trail for us. Like there's plenty of people in the world that have never looked closely at themselves and they have families and they don't, that's, that's just not who they, what they do. Right. And so they don't understand that you can do that. Yeah. Some of them get into therapy, which is super helpful. Yeah. So the therapist can say, uh, you know, you need to do this. And then they go, really? What the heck is that? So, you know. It's part of, it's part of learning who you are and, and valuing yourself and, and learning what things you do that aren't valuable and aren't good. Right. And everybody does those too. And that's okay. Yeah. Just as long as you're not, as you're learning to not do them right. or to do them less. Totally. Yep. Here's to trailblazing. Right on. And I guess that's kind of what we're hoping to get into with this podcast. I feel like that was a great intro <laughs> of, of each of us was how, who, who were you and who w- was I when we were eight? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's almost as much intro as we need as we dive into however many parts of a conversation we're going to, to dive into. But um, yeah, I think that I'm really excited to have more conversations with you about all sorts of different things. Um, for the listeners, I guess I can give a few bullet points uh, further of an introduction past eight years old. Uh, we, <laughs> and I hope Zoom doesn't kick me off because I scheduled it for half an hour. They usually give you 40. Okay, good. Oh, um, yeah, but <clears throat> both of us have a love for each other and a love for learning and growing and adapting. We also both suffer from different types of oppression and both of us have to be out in the world as stigmatized um, and marginalized identities. And while they're very, very different identities and we can't possibly understand each other's um, situations, we are constantly trying to figure out the common the common issues between them and see the similarities and the things that we are, aren't the same on. Is that about right? Sounds right to me. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess I'm going to see you in the kitchen. Sounds good. My favorite place. Okay. Love you, mom. Love you. Bye. All right. That was our first conversation. I wasn't expecting us to go right into trauma immediately, but I'm glad we did. It's important and it's an endless conversation to have. Uh, But that leaves me very ready to wrap this up. (laughs) But not before I give you some inspirational shit. So let me talk about one of my favorite authors and activists, Adrienne Marie Brown, because she has some words that really inspire me and inspired this show. 
She reminds us that it is our right and responsibility to create a new world. And she says, it must become an incredible pleasure to be able to be honest, expect to be whole, and to know that we are in a community that will hold us accountable and change with us. Thanks again for listening to Parental Advisory. Music is done by Legwork. Please go follow her on Instagram and Spotify under L-E-G-W-U-R-K. Until next time, bye-bye.